Welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 10. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, we're going to get into Guard Duty and first impressions of the game. It's a new point-and-click adventure game from Sick Chicken Studios. We've also got an interview with the creator, Nathan Hamley, so stay tuned for that. We'll also review Bubba Is You and check out all the weekly news, including Apple's new subscription service, Sega releasing a Mega Drive Mini, Borderlands 3 is finally announced, and Nintendo Switch Online is free with Twitch Prime. We'll also have a look at the all-platform charts and see what's coming up next week. So if you want to get involved in the show, email us on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, comments and video game stories. We're always interested in hearing from you. We're also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram to search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. Ah, So welcome to the show everyone. I hope you're good and you've had a good week. Uh, So I've been home this weekend for Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day here in the UK. I've been hanging out with the family and uh, hanging out down the beach in Sussex. And yeah, the weather has been super nice uh, and the clocks have changed as well. So we've got more sunlight in the evening. So we're now definitely leaving winter behind and it's full steam ahead to summer. So super looking forward to that. Um, One other really, really good thing this week I wanted to mention before I step into the world of video games. And that is, um, this week in Video Games Podcast was featured on the new and noteworthy section of Games and Hobbies in Apple Podcasts and iTunes. So thank you everyone uh, who downloads and listens. I really, really appreciate it. And the fact that we've got made new and noteworthy in Games and Hobbies uh, in, yeah, on... uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, that's a, that's a massive achievement and I, I've really just got you to uh, to thank for that, so thank you very much. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to download or stream This Week in Video Games. I really do appreciate every listen that we get and for you to take the time out and hang out with me each week and uh, talk about video games. So yeah, thank you so much. So let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week I've been continuing my playthrough of Sekiro Shadows Die Twice and I've been dying a lot. (laughs) This is the hardest game I've ever played in my life. But it's also one of the most satisfying games I've ever played. So um, I've been playing a new little puzzle game on Nintendo Switch called Bubba Is You. And uh, we're going to go through the review of that soon. And I've been continuing the playthrough of the Game of Thrones board game with my friends and I've been talking about that on a previous couple of podcasts so yeah I'll give you an update on where we are with the Game of Thrones board game but uh, yeah it's a special treat today we've got an interview with Nathan Hamley uh, the, one of the creators of Guard Duty and uh, yeah super excited to bring you that interview that's going to be coming up after the first impressions so yeah let's dive into first impressions of Guard Duty So Guard Duty is a new point-and-click adventure game coming to PC, Mac and Linux this spring. So this genre of games is really close to my heart, having played through games like Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle and the Monkey Island series uh, back in the 90s. Uh, So these games first taught me about puzzles in games and demonstrated games could have long-lasting and meaningful story packed full of action and humour. 
So I was lucky enough to get a preview of Guard Duty this week, and I've uh, I've played through the first few hours. So Guard Duty, it revolves around our hero, Tonbert, and it's his job to guard the gates at the castle of Wrinklewood. So the game starts with a bang. As players were taken to 2074, and there's 10 seconds until the end of the world. So the start of the game really makes you set up and take notice. And then we're then taken back to medieval times and meet our hero, Tonbert. So Tonbert is approached while guarding the gates by a mysterious stranger. He's tricked and perhaps has had one too many and lets a stranger in through the gates. We're then taken to the next morning with Tombert asleep. He's locked in his room and uh, that's up a tree outside the castle. Unfortunately, his uniform has been stolen and he has to get his clothes back and find a way out of his locked room. So the game spans across two drastically different time periods. You're either in the past or the future. So both periods look absolutely beautiful. I spent most of my time in the past and it's inspired by Terry Pratchett's Discworld and games like Simon the Sorcerer. The future, on the other hand, looks bleak, dark and like something out of Blade Runner. And the contrasting settings are really cool and uh, really keen to find out how they join up and where the story takes us. So Guard Duty is a point and click adventure game, however it's streamlined somewhat. We're provided with contextual clicks. So the left mouse button allows you to click on an object and lets you do an action on it. And the right mouse button allows you to find out more about an item or a thing in your environment. It's, it's a really good system. So much of your time is going to be spent exploring the detailed world, finding clues and solving puzzles. There's a fantastic amount of comedy threaded through the game which keeps you engaged and entertained. And that really complements the puzzles and exploration. The player is equipped with something called the Infinity Pouch, and that's your main inventory system. So the game keeps track of your to-do list, and it notes down current objectives and goals, so you always know what to do next. God Duty also features streamlined inventory and puzzle design. So the game feels like a classic mid-90s point-and-click adventure game, but without the kind of complexity of action panels and things like that. The graphics are beautifully handcrafted pixel art, and the world building is great. So the pixel art, it looks and feels true to the era with Guard Duty created in 320 by 240 resolution and it really makes it feel like something out of the 90s. The audio is equally detailed and you can definitely see the passion that the, the uh, development team have for the genre. There's over 30 unique pieces of music and 6,000 lines of dialogue in the game. So this all adds up to a wonderfully crafted world that feels unique and immersive and it's bound to draw you in and keep you coming back for more. So Guard Duty is a charming adventure game and I've liked what I've played so far. The graphics and audio really take me back to the 90s, however the controls as I say have been streamlined and make the game much less hassle. The contextual actions make the game much easier to control so you can focus on the story and not have to worry too much about your inventory. The puzzles are challenging but they're engaging and exploring the world feels really rewarding. There's definitely a nostalgic feel to the game for me, but it's going to welcome in new players to the genre with its engaging story and split timeline. I'm really looking forward to getting further into the game to see how the timelines meet and the characters interact with one another. You can clearly see the hard work that's gone into this game by the developers uh, throughout the design and the gameplay. And it's come together fantastically well and is bound to provide you with hours of entertainment. So you can check out the trailer for Guard Duty. 
uh, on thisweekinvideogames.com and just uh, search for Guard Duty or you can find out more about Sick Chicken Studios by giving him a search. So Guard Duty is released on PC via Steam. It's also coming out on Mac and Linux this spring. And uh, yeah, I'll be back for a review once the uh, full game is released. So next up, we've got an interview with Nathan Hamley and he's going to tell us all about Guard Duty. So here it is. Thanks very much for joining us on This Week in Video Games. Super excited to be talking to you today and specifically about uh, Guard Duty. Um, so, yeah, how's it going, Nathan? It's good, yeah. Thanks for having me on. No problem, no problem. So how's, what, what's, your, what's your week looking like? I understand at the minute you're sort of gearing up for, um, are you coming to the end of the development cycle at the minute? Yeah, um, yeah, it's a really interesting time in development because you go from spending years and years just kind of doing artwork, doing programming, creating the game, and then you have this time at the end where you let it out into the wild to your beta testers and um, oh, yeah. you sort of sit around twiddle your thumbs for a while waiting for results to come <laughs> back in um, and just yeah pray that nothing is terribly broken so um, <laughs> it's oh, uh, yeah it's going well though we've we're right at the end of our beta testing now so um, we're hoping to announce a release date soon it should be good oh, brilliant. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, I guess that's the really exciting part you you kind of You've you've been through, like you say through the artwork through the coding, um, gathered your feedback and you're sort of ready for to release it unto the uh, unto the world. So that's yeah, it must be um, very exciting. Yep, exciting and terrifying at the same time, but <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> that, good. So how long's um, Guard Duty been in development? Um, quite a while. It's so it was kind of a hobby project to start with. Um, I started development in around 2014. Cool. Um, it was originally meant to be like quite a short project, um, about a year or so, but I was like really naive uh, and had no idea how long these things take. Um, I've sort of I've made various short adventure things, um, like point and click adventure style things in the past, and most of the time haven't finished them because I just had really bad project management. Um, so yeah, it's it started in 2014 um, as a hobby project, and the more time I put into it the more sort of serious I started taking it. Um, I realized that, yeah, I was investing a lot of my own personal time into it and I had to kind of do it justice. So it's just escalated from there. Um, so yeah, four or five years of development, probably um, serious development for like three, maybe four years. But Yeah. It's, um, so I've, I've, um, I've had a little play of it myself and you can really tell how much hard work and how much passion has gone into into the game i, th I think it's absolutely fantastic uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a, more in a bit um so um do, do you want to introduce guard duty tell us tell us what it's about and uh, maybe what your inspiration was uh, for creating guard duty yeah sure um so it's a point and click adventure game um it's kind of styled and inspired by a lot of the 90s point-and-click adventure games, um, games like Simon the Sorcerer, Discworld, um, the LucasArts games. But um, we try to make it a little bit more accessible to modern audiences. Um, point-and-click adventure games haven't got the best reputation with being like logical puzzle solving and things like that. Um, a lot of the old Sierra games had dead ends where you just have to restart the whole game um, because you, yeah, you got to a dead end in the puzzle design. So we've kept that in mind whilst making it um and yeah we're trying to sort of bring it to a bit more of a modern audience while still 
paying tribute to all of the things that we liked in those those older games. That's fantastic. I I, I was just thinking while you while, while you were speaking there, like one of my first games that I played through was Day of the Tentacle, nice. and it stays with me to this day. It's <laughs> it's one of my most favourite and. Yeah, one of my most favourite games. Uh, I think I, I replayed the remaster on PlayStation 4 not that long ago, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And when I played Guard Duty, when I was playing this week, I was just thinking, this is this is fantastic. The the artwork <laughs> is amazing. The the humour, I love the humour in the game. It's really, really good. Oh, um, okay. That's great so, to hear. Yeah, you've done an amazing job. Um, well, that, that, that sounds really good. Um could you tell us a bit more about the main character in the game? Yeah, sure. Um, so you primarily play as Tonbert. He's a guard to the castle of Wrinklewood. Um, his mother was a halfling, so he's a little bit shorter <laughs> than most of the guards um, in the castle. But his, his heart's in the right place. Um, he's kind of in love with the princess, Princess Feramin, um, who he's only ever really had brief conversations with in the past but somewhat obsessed with her um <laughs> but yeah sort of during the course of the game um he goes from having spent most of his life within the castle grounds not really experienced much outside of the castle walls um to going on this grand adventure across the lands um so you kind of you as a player get to experience all these new things alongside tomba and it's kind of like a personal journey for tomba but also for the player or we'd like to think so anyway uh, that's really cool. And you mentioned um, you mentioned the world that kind of Tonda inhabits. Could, could you tell us a bit more about the world? Is it a is it part of our world or is it a is it a, a fantasy world? Um, yeah, it's so the game does kind of have two timelines. Um, takes place in a future setting and a sort of high fantasy medieval setting. It's primarily based in the medieval setting. Um, but we kind of yeah tie it together with a running sci-fi theme throughout. Um, it's, 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 we're leaving the player guessing about how the two plots come together. It's not something we've been um, we've released too much information about. It's kind of a tease at the moment. Um, but yeah, as you progress through the game, um, you learn more of like the larger story. Um, things do tend to take a slightly darker tone as you move through through the game. Um, obviously, we still have the comedy in there. But yeah, it's kind of it is it's like a Discworld inspired kind of Tolkien ish fantasy world, primarily um, with like goblins and trolls and your usual kind of fantasy fare. Um, although we do do what Terry Pratchett often does, which is kind of reference modern culture a little bit throughout it. Um, for example, the princess is trying to become a movie star. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so there's a scene with a magical camera and she's she's filming and um, the first scene of her new flicky but <laughs> i really like it it's uh, and, and you mentioned the humor there and that that's a big part of guard duty and i, I remember when i was when i was playing through i really liked the uh, the fruit uh, stall sellers <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're like whatever you do don't don't uh don't eat no don't swallow the value range <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no, we had a lot of fun with that it's um i uh I record well I wrote a lot of that dialogue when I was working my previous job I was out um I used to do filming and I was out on location filming and we had some downtime and a little notebook I was just writing down all this nonsense 
and then yeah me and a mate of mine just decided to voice the characters for the final game and um yeah that's what you're hearing in the in the finished project probably oh, I, th- I thought it was it was really it was really funny and uh no it's um it, it definitely shows the, the 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 passion but also your your writing skills as well i think it's fantastic so good good work on that oh that's you, cool yeah thank you. you you mentioned um about the split timelines and what one of the things which i i think i found really exciting in the game is you know when you when you first start the game you get a glimpse into the into the future was it 2074 yeah um so yeah we start the game with with a bang literally um it's yeah, i love so, it it's sort of like a precursor to the events that follow later on in the game um so yeah there's not too much i can say about it at the moment no, but it is that's cool. sort of a blade runner ish star warsy future setting yeah. Uh, that yeah comes comes into play later on in the game but there's a little teaser at the start of the game just to oh, get I, people I, interested. I loved it. It really sort of um, sort of slaps you in the face and sort of makes you sit up and take notice, and then you kind <laughs> of get into Tom Burt's world. So, yeah, that was that was that was really cool. Um, it, it's really interesting. I noticed with the kind of mechanics, like some of the old style point and click adventure games, used to have kind of these action um, panels where you could pick like an action. Um, yep. for the player to do and and you you made the conscious conscious decision to do something a little bit simpler by um just using the kind of um the left and the right sort of mouse uh, buttons um could you um could you kind of uh, take us through your kind of uh, design and decision making in that yeah sure um i think one of the earlier games to do that was beneath the steel sky um where you kind of handle all interactions somewhat contextually with the left click so if it's a, a doing thing like talking or using an item picking up an item it's all handled with a single left click um, and then for the players that want a bit more information about stuff you can right click and examine things um, so typically uh, if you're stuck for example you might want to go around right clicking on things getting a bit more information about stuff um, and that'll probably help you with the puzzles but um, yeah we try to streamline it a bit we've we do have mobile in mind some point down the line, so I think it'll work better on mobile with that sort of interface. Um, apart from the right clicking, which may be an issue, we'll, we'll deal with that when it comes to it. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of it's a few things we did. Like we don't have um, inventory combinations, so in a lot of the old adventure games, you would sort of you'd get say ten items in your inventory, but you could combine them to make new items as well, and you you find it was a little bit overwhelming because there's all these multiple combinations of things that you could do. And a lot of the time you just find yourself trying every combination when you're stuck on a puzzle. We wanted mm-hmm. to avoid that. We wanted it to feel a bit more like the players in control. Um, so there's, I've, I'd like to think there's a lot less areas where you can just get stuck and you end up just cheap, like cheating and just trying everything on everything. We tried to make it so it flows a lot nicer. And um, yeah, one of the things that helped with that was the sort of two um, click interface left and right click. Well, I thought, I thought that worked really well. Um, and I, I tell you, I, from the mechanics to the art style as well, uh, I really, really, uh, I love the art style. I'm a, I'm a big pixel artist kind of, um, or pixel art fan. Um, cool. And I, I checked out your YouTube channel before we, before we did the interview. And I, did you create a lot of the artwork yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah I do it all myself. Um, I've been doing pixel art for 
for for ages i kind of i used to sit at the back of class in school when we were on the computers and i wasn't listening to the teacher at all i just had <laughs> ms paint open I was making these little pixel pictures um and it's something i've kind of dabbled in over the last sort of 15 years or so but um yeah when i started making guard duty or this version of guard duty i should say in 2014 um I noticed that there was a, like a resurgence of pixel art. There was loads of indie games that had pixelated artwork. And I'd always, I was always trying to copy the old games from the 90s when I was doing it. And suddenly, like, it was in the mainstream again almost. Um, yeah. And it seems like pixel art has just really, like, gotten really popular since then. Um, so, yeah, I sort of suddenly had to up my game a bit and um, <laughs> just start over detailing everything. And, yeah, I spent so many hours. We've got about 80-something locations in the game, um, and all the backgrounds are hand-pixeled, all the characters are wow. hand-pixeled. So, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of work involved. Um, but, yeah, it's really great to hear that people like it. As as someone who appreciated the old, the the, the um, those style games back in the 90s myself, I yeah, I, uh, it, it really... Um, panged on the kind of nostalgia strings for me i thought i thought yeah it was it, it's awesome but it, the way that you've dealt with the mechanics also really sort of brings it into a kind of a modern era so i thought that was a really nice balance uh, good stuff that's great um so it, it, obviously it's been a it's been a um, passion project um for you um and uh, what's been the kind of most um fun element of uh, building this world um probably um, I guess like, creating the locations, because um, I got to kind of run wild with all the different sorts of places you visit in the game. Um, yeah, it, because it started out as like a hobby project, I went a bit overboard with the original design document. I was like, oh, I want want you to have enchanted forests and kingdoms and like snow-capped mountains. And um, a lot of that stuff ended up making it into the game. Um, so yeah, I just kind of anything that I thought of, that I thought, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I, um because I didn't have to pay an artist, I was kind of I was able to do it, and I wasn't really on a time scale initially. This last year has been quite a tight time scale, just making sure we've got everything polished so I can actually release it. But um, yeah, most fun's been creating the backgrounds. I think just there's so many different places to go, and then there's like a load of sci-fi locations as well, which was super fun. That's brilliant. So, um, so you. Uh... You mentioned um, a release date coming up soon. So how and when can players get their hands on the game? Um, so we're launching on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Um, initially, we're going to be selling it via Steam, um, potentially some other storefronts, um, but which we're still sort of working on. Um, we're hoping to announce the release date very soon. I've been saying this for a while, but um, yeah, beta testing is pretty much at the end now. So um, yeah, we'll be announcing a release date soon, and yeah, it, it should be out within the next next couple of months. I would say I can't say the exact date yet because um, we just need to make sure that everything's in order. But yeah, very soon. Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah, good luck with the launch. I'm sure it's going to do um, brilliantly well. Oh, thank you. And all, all of the um, all of the extra scenes that you didn't get. Uh, into um, guard duty, you could put in guard duty too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. There's potential there. <laughs> so um, we've had a bit of a chat about guard duty. I wanted to sort of chat to you a little bit about yourself and Sick Chicken uh, Studios, sure. um, and a, a bit about you um, first of all. So how, how did you kind of first get into creating games? Um, quite quite some time ago, when I was sort of 
like 14, 13, um, I got this really old application called Dark Basic. It was, um, it's in theory, it was a game making studio thing. Um, but it's basically like a just a text interface, almost like a DOS command line prompt. Um, and it came with a bunch of example games. And I had no idea what I was doing, um, but I was able to change the, the odd sort of variable here and there and like change the color of the gun or change the size of the bullets in this FPS demo. Um, so I kind of got into that. And then it was maybe a year or two afterwards, I found the Adventure Game Studio forums, which is the engine we use for Guard Duty. Um, and they had a really good community behind them. And yeah, I've kind of almost grown up alongside that community, like posting a lot of artwork, trying to make games, not necessarily finishing them all. But um, yeah, that's that's how I got into games, game making, I think. Yeah, well, that's really cool. And could you tell us a bit about your process? Like, do you create a lot of prototypes and then sort of test each one? Or, or do you kind of have quite a set idea about things and focus on that? You know, what, how do you go about creating games? Um, well, for Guard Duty, um, I started out by just basically making a load of backgrounds. I'd kind of made the world, um, or at least the starting town, Wrinklewood. Um, and then about a year in of just making backgrounds and character sprites, um, I was chatting to my friend Andy, who's now my game development buddy. Um, he's been doing the programming for Guard Duty. Um, and he kind of reined me in a bit and he said, look, you need to make a design document. You need to plan the game and um, I'm going to help you program it. So, yeah, there was there was about a year or so of just like going wild drawing stuff. Um, and then me and Andy decided that we needed to work on a solid design document. Um, and then I went ahead and wrote a story out. It's this um, designs changed a bit throughout development because it was really ambitious to start with. There's a few things we had to sort of rein in, cut down on. Um, but generally, I find, yeah, creating the world first has worked for me. I'm not sure necessarily whether that's the best way of doing it, but that's what worked. Yeah, I think it's, it's sort of, it's all about finding a process that works for you, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. Do you remember the moment when you kind of first thought, right, I'm, you know, I'm going to get into games and, you know, what, what kind of inspired that moment? Um, it was probably when I first got involved in the adventure game studio community because there was a bunch of guys on there who were far more talented than me at the time. Um, people like Dave Gilbert, Francisco Gonzalez, who are um, they're quite popular point-and-click adventure game developers now. Um, and they were making much smaller games back then, but they were actually finishing stuff and <laughs> like with funny jokes and cool puzzles. Um, it was like super inspiring. Um, so I was on the uh, there's a critics lounge there where you could post your art artwork and get feedback. Um, and I lot learned a lot about development there, and I think yeah, it's people like that that inspired me to just keep pushing forward. And eventually, after getting education out of the way and being a teenager and getting bored of just partying all the time, I was like, right, I'm going to make something and finish something. So that's what guard duty is. It's amazing, and it yeah, it really like, like I was saying before, guard duty really it shows the your your passion for 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 games and and also the, the artwork's amazing so it's yes uh, i'm really looking forward to playing the uh, the full game yeah thanks tom so what's um so what's next on the agenda for sick chicken studios after guard duty um hmm, it's a tough one to be honest um i've i've been toying with a few ideas uh i've done a, a few sort of art tests and stuff um i used to do 
quite a bit of 3D work in my old job. Um, quite simple stuff. But so I've been dabbling in 3D a bit. But I think potentially another graphic adventure game, um, probably something higher resolution than Guard Duty. Uh, trying to dust off my digital painting skills, and um, I might give that a go. But honestly, I, I'm not sure at the moment. I'll, um, yeah, it's it's something that I'm kind of toying with, but I think I'll wait for Guard Duties to come out, see how the reception is, and then yeah, see where it goes from there. Fantastic. So, do you do you get any time to still play games in your spare time, or, or is it purely a kind of a, a work thing? Um, yeah, I, I still play games. Uh, normally, sort of play them for an hour or two, and then get inspired or reminded that I need to finish my game um, and go back mm. to development. But yeah, um, yeah, try to play, especially some notable um, new releases uh, in the adventure game scene. So like Dave Gilbert's Unavowed um, was great. Lamplight City by Francisco Gonzalez. Um, I finished that recently. That was really good. Um, and yeah, just generally try to keep up to date with the scene. Um, there's a few adventure games I'm looking forward to as well. But... Nice. It's. I, I think that the, the sort of current state of the indie game scene is is fantastic. There's there's so much good stuff coming out, and I think that was kind of reflected in the recent BAFTA awards. There's so many good indie studios up for awards in in the BAFTAs recently. Um, so it's a really really thriving scene. So it must be really exciting to be kind of part of that scene at the minute. Yeah, for sure. Um... I think like narrative games as well have got a bit more of a spotlight in recent years. Um, it's, I think people got fed up with AAA shooters. <laughs> they, they, there's yeah. only so much killing <laughs> you can do. Um, and yeah, thankfully, narrative games seems to have come through a bit. And we've got a lot more experimental games as well, which is great. Um, yeah, the indie scene is it's really booming. It's, it's really good to see. It's a lot of good conventions and stuff going on and it's really nice to sort of meet up with other developers and just talk about <laughs> the worries of game development and how steam's becoming massively oversaturated or yeah. what, whatever the current conversation is but it's, yeah. it's inter interesting with lots of that i guess there's a new there's a few new storefronts kind of opening up with like epic are kind of jumping in there and um things like that so hopefully that provides more opportunities and nintendo seem to have really jumped on the the bandwagon for supporting uh, indie studios as well yeah sure like they um well they've leased out the zelda ip to yeah. dun dungeon crawler recently which is crazy yeah <laughs> That's, was... yeah super cool so it's yeah it's it's great to see all these all these kind of um the the big names in the industry um kind of you know helping everyone out rather than sort of shutting the doors which is really, really good. Um, talking about big names, I was wondering if you had a viewpoint on the kind of the way things are going with in terms of streaming services in video games and, uh, you know, with with the recent news of sort of Google stepping into the fray and uh, Microsoft are about to sort of um, announce their systems. And I wonder, as a, as a game developer, do you have a viewpoint on the kind of the the streaming services situation in, and how that's going to change uh, yeah. the gaming industry. Um, yeah, so for a game like mine, it it's kind of a bit of a bleak outlook because I'd imagine the revenue share will be based on how much time players spend playing your game. So mm. like 
an RPG or a multiplayer game with a lot of replay value, they're going to sink maybe 60, 80, 100 hours into it. But then a game like Guard Duty, where it's a narrative game that takes about eight or nine hours to finish, um, you're generally not going to replay it, or maybe you might replay it once, but we're not going to have as many hours clocked up by players as all these other games. Um, And there is the worry that these streaming services will kind of kill off shorter more experimental narrative based games just because we're not getting the same numbers as um more addictive games or Mm. so yeah a little bit concerning but we'll see where it goes i think yeah it's um there's definitely a lot of kind of implications in there and i and i i can already feel and see the the backlash to to that you know people are sort of looking over at spotify and how they deal with music artists and you know it's fractions of sort of pennies per play so yeah we definitely don't want that happening in the video games industry um so yeah um oh that that's really cool um i guess aside from kind of like the um streaming services stuff coming what, what do you think has changed the most over the last few years in the video games industry um so i guess the last kind of four or five years or so since i've been making guard duty um it's been a lot harder to get your indie game noticed um there's like loads more people are making indie games myself included um and i think yeah steam's becoming quite oversaturated now which is a shame but there is you know there's still opportunity there if you've got a good game um it seems like um youtubers playing your game as like influencers isn't quite as important now Mm. um i'm not sure how that trends come in but um yeah from what i've read uh it doesn't have as much of an impact on your game sales now because people who follow a youtuber just generally follow that youtuber because of their personality they're not like looking to buy the games that they're playing um but it's, it's always evolving um i think it is it is thriving at the moment like there's a lot of cool games coming out and they seem to be doing fairly well um i just think we're going to see less like massive hits like less undertales that sort of thing but yeah it's it's always going to be changing um and we just need to kind of adapt as it goes along i just hope that narrative games can stay strong and um still be a viable option for developers yeah me too it's going I think that they were they were some of the first games that I played growing up, and I think in terms of teaching you sort of logic, kind of you know um, basic sort of logic and you know puzzle solving, but also you know providing a really entertaining uh, story as well. I think you know they, they they do the best job of that, and yeah, some of my some of my most favourite memories. Um, brilliant. All right, that's uh, that's probably all we've got time for. Cool. Um, so thank you, Nathan. Really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to talk to us, and good luck for the impending uh, launch of Guard Duty. I'm sure Thank it's going to do fantastically <laughs> well. And uh, yeah, thanks very much. So that was me and Nathan having a chat about Guard Duty, and yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic game. Um, if you like point-and-click adventure games, uh, I really, really recommend it because it. If you like something like Day of the Tentacle or Full Throttle, um, yeah, go and check it out. It's really, really good. They've done a fantastic job. And like I say, we can't wait for the full game to be released coming out this spring. So next up, we've got a review for Bubba Is You. Bubba Is You is a new puzzle game released by Hepuli. So you mostly control Bubba. 
He's a dog-like sprite around a simple 2D world and you push blocks as you go to solve puzzles. So other objects on the screen might be trying to block your way, for example, like a wall or water. So it's your job to manipulate the rules, get to the flag and congratulations, you've beaten the level. So there's a simple coding like instructions on the screen letting you know the rules. And the rules are made up of nouns, conjunctions and verbs and they're combined to create the rules for the board. But interestingly, the rules can be changed by moving the blocks. For example, Bubba is you means you control Bubba, allowing you to move around the screen. Flag is win means you have to get to the flag to complete the level. Wall is stop means you can't get through the wall and you might have to change up the instructions. Instructions for Bubba and objects can be chained together, layering on mind-bending complexity to the puzzles. So if you make a mistake or you disconnect the is you functionality in the game, you can go back and you can try again. If you really get stuck, you can restart the level. The game can be tricky to describe through writing, so there is a clip on thisweekinvideogames.com. So if you go to the website and search Bubba is you, you'll see a video explainer there explaining it all really, really clearly. So there's over 200 levels in the game and the puzzles move from simple tutorial levels to complex levels fairly rapidly. Sometimes the solution is so delightfully simple, it's all a matter of trying things out. However, the later you progress in the game, the puzzles do get pretty tough and the game can start to feel a little bit frustrating. With that in mind, Baba Is You is fun, an innovative title, and it's great on the Nintendo Switch as you can tackle levels on a commute or when you have a little time on the move. As you move through the later levels, the earlier satisfaction does kind of move aside a little bit as the layers of rules build up and the frustration sort of settles in. However, the game is only about £11 or $15 and I would recommend picking this one up as it's a really interesting little puzzle game. There's more than a few wow moments in here when you manipulate the environment in surprising ways. So Bubba Is You is available on Nintendo eShop and the PC via Steam and it was released on March 13th, 2019. And we gave it a final score of 76 out of 100. So let me know what you think about Bubba Is You on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. How are you getting on with the puzzles? Are you finding it easy? Uh, or have you hit that kind of frustration point? Uh, let me know what you think. Okay, so that's it for the video games I've been playing this week, but I have been continuing my playthrough of the Game of Thrones board game with my friends. So, just as a little recap, I'm Greyjoy, and uh, Greyjoys, they kind of start um, next to the Starks and the Lannisters. And, yeah, like I say, normally the Greyjoys get embroiled in a fight with the Lannisters, unless you make a pact earlier on in the game. So I got caught up with the Lannisters in the first round, and I got, I got in a few couple of wins, and, but then was pushed back in round two and uh, was beaten back a little bit. Now I've got embroiled in with the Starks, so I'm I'm work. We've had a little bit of a kind of tit for tat fight. Um, I managed to take over Moat Caitlin, but yeah, at the minute I'm kind of I'm stuck fighting. I'm stuck fighting the Starks. I'm in a reasonable position in the game. I've managed to gather five castles at the minute, but it's mid game. And uh, we all had to bid on the Tracks of Influence recently. And I unfortunately came bottom all of the Tracks of Influence because I was absolutely broke. I got too distracted in the battles and I didn't save up any of my coin. Uh, so I'm absolutely broke and at the bottom of all the Tracks. So that 
if you play the Game of Thrones board game, you'll know if you're at the bottom of the tracks, it doesn't allow you to play, play as freely. Uh, I no longer have the sword. So yeah, I think the outlook for the rest of the game for me is fairly bleak. Uh, but it, look, it looks like this one's fairly even. Um, currently we've got Stark at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, but everyone's kind of evenly, evenly distributed with similar numbers of castles. So the objective of the game is to get seven castles or seven kingdoms uh, to win. And we're about round five at the minute. So, I, this, I mean, this game has been going on for nearly three weeks. <laughs> so we're playing by email and it does take a little bit of time. But yeah, it's super fun. If you haven't checked out uh, the Game of Thrones uh, board game, uh, I, I really recommend it. Just uh, go online and uh, yeah, search up Game of Thrones board game. And if you've got five other friends um, who want to play, uh, it's super fun. I really, really recommend it. A little bit of a warning, games um, in real life do tend to take quite a long time. It can be anywhere from kind of five to ten hours per game. Um, but if yeah, if you set aside a you know, good amount of time, uh, it can be can be good fun and yeah me and my friends use it as a as a good um good excuse to get together and yeah have a day out in different parts of the country or maybe even go to another country we're talking about heading over to sweden soon to visit a friend of ours who moved out there fairly recently so yeah looking forward to that and looking forward to uh looking forward to getting further in this game and we'll hopefully take greyjoy to victory but as i say bottom of the influence tracks it's pretty hard to pretty hard to make progress there, but um, I'll let you know next week how I'm getting on. Right, that's it for what I've been playing this week. Next up, let's look at the news. Okay, so in the news this week, first up, we've got the Sega Mega Drive Mini is coming this September. So Sega have announced the Mega Drive or Genesis for our North American friends. Uh, mini version and it's coming out this September and it's going to be released alongside 40 games including we've got Sonic the Hedgehog, Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania Bloodlines, uh, Toe Jam and Earl, Old Beast, Gunstar Heroes, uh, Shining Force and Dr. Robotnik's Bean Machine. They've been announced uh, so far and I think we're going to get more games announced as we get closer to that launch. So the console comes with two wired pads a USB power adapter, a power cable, and HDMI cable as well. And Sega made the announcement on Twitter uh, yesterday, I think it was. So you can check out the full details on thisweekinvideogames.com and search Mega Drive. Uh, and the mini console aims to release on September the 19th, 2019, worldwide. Okay, so next up, Apple have announced Apple Arcade. So Apple announced Apple Arcade, which is a new subscription service coming to iOS, Mac and Apple TV this autumn. So the new subscription service will include over 100 games, there's ad-free gaming, offline features, we've got family access and the ability to switch seamlessly between devices. So we've got games including Sonic Racing, Little Orpheus and Beyond a Steel Sky, plus many more games. Apple are also partnering with game developers to bring more to Apple Arcade in the future as well as contributing towards the development of those games. So Apple have been rumoured to be working on some kind of video game service and uh, I guess this is it with Apple Arcade. Um, it's 
Not like the recently announced Google Stadia, which is streaming only, as this has offline features and could be comparable to something like Xbox Game Pass. So you can check out the full trailer for the, uh, the new service from Apple, Apple Arcade, at thisweekinvideogames.com and just search Apple Arcade. Okay, so next up we've got Tidal Basin coming to The Division 2 on April the 5th. So World Tier 5 is coming soon with Tidal Basin. So we had the roadmap for The Division 2 updated this week uh, with an important milestone added. So on April the 5th we've got a new stronghold and that'll open up to players in the endgame with players taking on the dangerous Black Tusk faction. So Tidal Basin is the first update for the Division 2's endgame and it's coming for all players on PC, PS4 and Xbox One. And uh, yeah, you can check out our impressions of the Division 2 on thisweekinvideogames.com and just search up the Division 2. Now, I'm having a really good time with the Division 2 at the minute. I haven't made it through to the endgame yet, I haven't completed the story. Um, what with uh, Sekiro and Baba is You and uh, all the other kind of um, previews that I've been doing. I haven't made it through to the end game of the Division 2 yet. However, it's on my to-do list. I'm looking back uh, or looking forward to uh, getting back to the game this week and uh, edging closer ever further to that end game. So next up, we've got an exciting announcement about Borderlands 3 and that's been announced at PAX East this week. So Gearbox have finally unveiled Borderlands 3 and that's coming hopefully sometime in 2019. So Gearbox released a trailer for the game and it's showing nearly four minutes of the game including a ton of characters and I think they even mentioned a billion weapons, although um, I think that's probably subject to change. <laughs> uh, so we return to Pandora for the third instalment of the long-awaited Borderlands series and uh, yeah, Gearbox, they teased us earlier in the week and they said a trailer is coming at PAX East. And there's been a lot of build-up for this day. They teased us um, a few episodes ago, I think it was about a month ago, saying they were going to be at PAX East with a big Borderlands announcement. And actually, Borderlands 3 wasn't the only um, Borderlands um, universe announcement. We also had an announcement about a Borderlands tabletop game as well, which is really, really cool. Uh, so you can check out the full trailer for Borderlands 3 on thisweekinvideogames.com and search Borderlands 3. Okay, so next up, uh, we've got some great news for Red Dead Online as target races have become available. So target races have been added to Red Dead Redemption 2 as of this week and in the latest update from Rockstar. So you shoot targets and pass checkpoints while on horseback and race to the finish in this new mode in Red Dead Online. So you start out with a bow and arrow, but you can pick up new items along the way. As well as weapons, you can pick up items to boost your horse's stamina and extend the sprint time. So weapons include pistols, shotguns with limited amount of ammo. And if you're lagging behind your opponent, then you can get into their slipstream for a boost, a la Mario Kart. So PlayStation 4 players get early access to open target races, where you can compete in open space to take out all the targets and then race to the finish. And Red Dead Online is also handing out a 20% boost on all XP earning activities at the moment, which includes target race, free roam missions and hideouts. And there's much more planned for Red Dead Online this spring, and you can check out the full details at thisweekinvideogames.com and search up Red Dead Online. So next up, we've got an exciting uh, update coming to No Man's Sky in a VR update. No Man's Sky are going to be adding support for VR in the latest update to the game called Beyond. 
So the VR support in Beyond is an exciting new chapter for the game. And you can check out Sean Murray's full interview with Sony where he goes into detail as to what VR means for the game. That's, in, uh, that's on thisweekinvideogames.com. So Beyond comes in three parts. We've got online multiplayer, VR support, and we've got the yet-to-be-discussed feature. And you can check out the trailer from the recent State of Play, and that's Sony's new video update to fans, on thisweekinvideogames.com. Just search No Man's Sky. And Beyond is scheduled for release this summer, 2019. Okay, so finally in the news this week, uh, we've got some good news from Twitch, where they're giving away free 12-month access to Nintendo Switch Online. So Twitch have announced if you've got a Twitch Prime account, one of the benefits includes 12 months free of Nintendo Switch Online access. The first three months can be claimed right away, then after 60 days the remaining nine months becomes available. This means access to a great library of NES games including The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Bros. 1, 2 and 3, we've got Double Dragon, Kirby's Adventure and Excitebike as well. There's also online play and other Twitch Prime benefits. So that's really good news there from Twitch and uh, it's, an, it's a nice little partnership for Nintendo as well as there's a lot of Amazon and Twitch Prime accounts out there and I'm sure that's going to drive a lot of uh, users to Nintendo Switch Online who perhaps were sitting on the fence earlier. So that's uh, it's really good news and uh, you can dive in and pick up all those great NES games but also remember you can access uh, Tetris 99 as well. Uh, so if you want to find out more about that, check out thisweekinvideogames.com and search on uh, Twitch Prime. So that's it for the news this week. Let's check out the weekly all-platform charts. Okay, so looking at the charts this week, uh, holding there at number 10, we've got new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Down one from 8 to 9, we've got Far Cry New Dawn. Um, up 4 from 12 to 8, uh, coming back into the top 10, we've got Forza Horizon 4. And then down 2 from 5 to 7, we've got the Lego Movie 2, the video game. Up 1 from 7 to 6, we've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And down 3 from 2 to 5, we've got Red Dead Redemption 2. Down 1 from 3 to 4, we've got Grand Theft Auto 5. And up 1 from 4 to 3, we've got FIFA 19. And then down 1... Last week's number one, it was Tom Clancy's The Division 2, that's at number two. And then new in at number one, we've got Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. So yeah, no big surprise that um, Sekiro is in there at number one. I know it's been really popular on Twitch this week. I think I've seen it around 120,000 concurrent viewers at one point. Uh, yeah, so doing really, really well. And obviously a highly anticipated game uh, from From Software there. And yeah, really fantastic. If you haven't had the chance to pick up Sekiro or play through any of it, I really, really recommend it. It's uh, super fun. And uh, yeah, we've still got the mainstays in there. We've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Red Dead Redemption 2, FIFA 19, Grand Theft Auto 5, all holding their positions in the top 10. And uh, yeah, Forza Horizon popping back in the charts. So Okay, so that's it for the charts this week. Let's have a look at what's coming up next week. So coming up next week, uh, we haven't got too many games coming up this week. It's uh, it's a little bit quiet compared to compared to last week where we had nearly 20 games come out last week. So this week we've got Power Rangers uh, Battle for the Grid. That's coming out in the US on PS4 on April the 2nd. Uh, we've got Dance for Death 
uh, Dulac and Faye, that's coming out on PC. Uh, that's on April the 5th. And then we've got Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission, that's coming out on PC and Switch. That is also on April the 5th. So not too many games this week, um, and there's probably not too many games in there that I'll be I'll be picking up. Not not massively keen on Power Rangers uh, or Dragon Ball Heroes. Um, Dance of Death, haven't heard of that one, so uh, I may take a look at that. But yeah, that's what we got coming up this week. So that's it for this week in video games today. Don't forget to get in touch about anything you've heard on the show. And if you like what you hear, please do subscribe and leave us a nice review on iTunes. It really, really does help us get the word out about the podcast. And thank you so much, everyone, for taking the time to download and listen to This Week in Video Games. Uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, we made new and noteworthy in Games and Hobbies on uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And yeah, I can't thank you enough for listening. So that is really awesome. Uh, next week, uh, we've got EGX Resed uh, here in London. Uh, I'm going to be there on Saturday afternoon, uh, talking to as many developers as I can. So if you see me uh, wandering around with a microphone, uh, do you know pop up and or come up and say hello. Um, yeah, I'm always 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 interested in uh, meeting people and chatting about video games. So if you're there, at EGX Resed. Um, send, in, send in an email to uh, podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do a meetup. And we're always looking for input on the show, uh, so contact us on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or get in touch via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or YouTube. Uh, search This Week in Video Games everywhere and do get involved. I hope you have a great week and we're going to get together again and chat about video games next weekend. So until then, I'll see you soon.